Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Rebel News live stream on this, a Tuesday, March 22, 2022. That's a lot of twos. I'm David Menzies and my co-host. Let me tell you about my co-host, folks. You know, when it comes to that Kamala Harris passage of time stuff, I can think of no other I'd like to pass time with. She is the she-devil with a sword. She is the Khaleesi of Northern Alberta. She is Sheila Gunn-Reed. How you doing there, Sheila? David, I'm much better now that you gave me that kind introduction, but I'm also much better because I thought that I might have to miss the live stream with you today. That's and right. I look very much forward to my couple hours a week where you and I get to chat on air. I was filming the gun show and then I thought I had a conflict with um, some Pastor Arder Pulowski court case stuff that's coming up. That's coming up later on in the afternoon. So I had a sub, but I, I kicked her out. <laughs> so I can jump back on the call with you, and I'm so very glad that I did. David, how are you, though? Well, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing delightful. And I'll tell you, Sheila, I was very worried that you were embracing one of the national days today by in the morning meeting saying you might not be here. Do you know it's National Goof Off Day uh, today? Or as President Biden likes to say, another day at the office. And um, in addition, Sheila, talk about a dichotomy. <laughs> You know, I don't know who comes up with these national days, but but I'm not making this up, folks. The hallmark come yeah, all. <laughs> it's also National Bavarian Crepes Day. And this is that's kind of like the angelic part of thing, or maybe it's a devilish temptation part of the day, you know, having you eat those uh sugary Bavarian crepes because on the other side of the coin. It is also National American Diabetes Association Alert Day. <laughs> so, so you can go the Kreps route and get sick, <laughs> or you can abide by the uh, Diabetes Alert Day and stay away from that high sugary stuff. Can't make this up. There you go. Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> so, okay, but i got to tell you, by the way, Okay, so it's Lent, so I'm fasting, so there's no, like, fun coming my way, except for Sundays where I get up early so that I can eat so much red meat to get me through the week. But um, uh, one of my favorite things, and I discovered it during Lent, which makes Lent a little bit harder for me because I've given up meat during the week, but I'm eating a lot of eggs and a lot of cheese and a lot of fish, and I'm getting very sick of it because I'm a carnivore by and large. <laughs> um, but one of my favorite things on the Internet is watching this carnivore weightlifting doctor who's in his 50s who looks deadly sean baker all he does is go and watch vegan tiktok and he eats a big steak with a butcher knife <laughs> while they talk about how healthy they are and just like sean baker the weightlifting carnivore big like and he looks great for his 50s Verse, yeah, <laughs> that's my kind of lion. <laughs> oh my god! And then he watches like popular vegan TikTok where they're just like <laughs> they can, they look so frail and sickly. Talk about their health. Um, it's my favorite thing on the internet. It helps me remember, like, yeah, look at this where he's like, I can just feel the power coming up. You know. <laughs> 
I love them. Oh. I love them. Sean, if you're watching, you're my favorite. You're getting me through Lent. I'll, I'll tell you, show me a Super Bowl team on a vegan diet uh, that wins the Super Bowl. And there was something very close to that in the Buffalo Bills four-year disastrous run of trying to win a Super Bowl. One of the years, I think it was 92, it was against the Washington Redskins. And the coach had them on some kind of, uh, not a vegan diet, but a vegetarian exactly. diet. Can you imagine no. these big linemen? And of course, the Redskins were just eating meat galore. Well, it was another blowout <laughs> for the NFC. So there you go. So when you can show me that, then maybe I'll, uh, you know, I'll dovetail over to you. Because isn't it true, Sheila? I mean, I, I'm not 100% sure, but um, vegan is more extreme than vegetarian. Oh, yes. And you, by going vegan as a omnivore, which is what Homo sapiens is, um, you are missing out some important nutrients, aren't you? Oh, all of them? Amino acids, <laughs> collagen, biotin, all the stuff that holds your body together, connective tissue, building blocks. Yeah, it's not good. So when you look at it, and anyways, vegans don't write me letters. I'm just saying embrace connective tissue. It's good. Um, you know, like I'm struggling <laughs> to supplement enough, like biotin collagen. I'm taking an iron supplement just to get through Lent because Lent is, it's supposed to be a time of suffering and it is, trust me, it's hard, but yeah. Um, don't write me letters, vegans. I'm not uh, a nutrition <laughs> expert, but I do know that you cannot get those building blocks of protein that omnivores need from a strictly plant-based diet. And I just want you to be healthy. Please just be healthy. You know, and if there are any vegans watching, I want to know what the motivation is. Um, Sheila, is it a dietary directive you're going by uh, and thereby, as you just explained, you're missing out on important building blocks by excluding that from your diet? Or is it some kind of ethical thing? You're against the slaughter of animals for consumption. Do you um, know what I can, I, I can, I can see that. If people say that's why I'm doing it, I can see that. Great. You know what? Great. Stick by your ethics. That's great. If you're doing it for climate change, um, I'm not sure that cutting down entire swaths of forest so that you can plant kale, I'm not sure if that's the best thing for the planet. No. And, <laughs> and you know, it, it, when it comes to ethics, they're very selective about life forms they, they'll preserve. I think it was way back in 2018, uh, super producer Efren and I went out to that um, restaurant in West End, uh, Toronto, that was being picketed uh, by the vegan crew. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that? Because he, he did yes. some... That um... was one of my favorite videos ever, <laughs> by the way. It had a very Sean Baker vibe to it, that guy. <laughs> it, was, it was wild. And and, you know, they were they were all posing with um, signs that, you know, a life is a life and every life is precious. And I went up to them, uh, these hardcore vegans, and I said to them, Sheila, I, I remember that, you know, many of the signs I'm seeing here is very reminiscent of the signage I see at pro-life demonstrations. You know, life is yeah. sacred. Where, what's your, uh, you know, uh, position on abortion? Oh, we don't want to get into that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. There's, there's a YouTube. Yeah, this yeah. video is one of my favorites. Um, there's a YouTube vegan girl out there. I don't know. Sometimes I watch. I was. Uh, 
if you want to know what I'm doing in the evenings, um, after I get off the treadmill, I am watching carnivores react to vegan YouTube and vegan TikToks. That's just what I do. Um, yeah. It's how I unwind. But there's a girl out there who, you know, she eats mostly bananas. And if you're someone who ends up on that side of the internet, same as me, you know exactly who I'm talking about. And she's, you know, all like, you don't want to put that garbage in your body. And I'm looking at her, I'm like, you have breast implants. Like What? what? You know what I mean? Like you're worried about putting these dangerous foreign substances, <laughs> animal products, I guess, in your body. And I'm like, do you have breast implants? I think you have breast implants. So How do you know? I don't know. You know, well, she looks like a skeleton wearing a skin shirt with big boobs. Yeah, of course you have breast implants. It reminds me of the Seinfeld episode. They're, they're spectacular, but are they real? <laughs> you know, but... Anyways, we are nine minutes into the show. I, I know. Everybody what I do to unwind. We've talked about absolutely nothing. Uh, producer Olivia, you're pretty quick on the draw with Sean Baker there. Thank you very much. Um, we tell everybody what we're doing. Yes. Um, oh, the vegans are going to be so mad. Um, <laughs> anyways. Um, let's tell everybody what we're doing and then we'll get to the news of the day because, um, something amazing happened last night. I ran around the house screaming for two days. Um, every time I thought about it, Kid Rock was on Tucker Carlson. And it saw was the that. Best thing ever. It was the best thing ever. I love Kid Rock. I'm very, I'm sort of checked out of pop culture. I exist, uh, as I say in my interview with, uh, Brad, uh, Skittismus from five times August on the gun show this week. Sorry, I'm fiddling with my earpiece. Um, I've checked out of popular culture. I exist in seventies and eighties, um, country music because Loretta, Barbara Mandrell, Dolly, they would never do the whole Cardi B WAP thing. They're just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I just don't want to be exposed to that. Um, and, uh, you know, like Waylon, Willie, uh, George Jones, they would not be, uh, grinding with the devil like that little um, rapper guy was in that one video that drew so much outrage. Anyways, so I have sort of checked out of the culture, but I still like Kid Rock. I love Kid Rock because he made being white trash cool. And as white trash, I was like, finally, <laughs> finally, <laughs> someone embracing my lifestyle. So um, anyways, he was on Tucker, which was just a little bit much for me. Um, so we'll get to that. Um, but I'll tell everybody what we're doing. So this is the Rebel News Daily Live stream. He used to just be hosted on Friday by Ezra Levant. The pandemic struck and we got busier than ever. However, the mainstream media, they decided that there's uh, less things to report on or fewer things to report on. Um, but they were more than happy to watch Justin Trudeau come out of his hidey hole every day and tell <laughs> you to stay home, to stay safe. So that's what they did. We got out there and started doing the real news in the real world. Um, and Ezra, who used to just host on Friday, he got busier than ever because the company was busier than ever. And this is Canada's largest independent news network. So he's got other things to do. So we expanded the live stream five days a week and we brought in some other hosts. I host Monday, Tuesday and Thursday, two of those with my friend David. And we have an, a rotating cast of characters on the other two days. And it's a great way for us to interact with each other, uh, talk about the news, uh, talk about things that we find interesting in an unscripted way, like we just did for approximately 11 minutes. Thank you for sticking with us <laughs> if you joined <laughs> to hear about the news, because it sure took us a long time to get to it. We used to also be able to take something called a super chat on YouTube, and it was a good chance for you to support the work that we do completely willingly. However, when Biden got elected, big tech didn't have to pretend anymore, and they just completely demonetized a whole host of uh, conservative YouTube channels, us being one of them. 
So even though YouTube doesn't want us there, we remain because there are 1.5 million YouTube subscribers. We don't want to abandon you, but we are putting our content on other platforms that don't care about our politics or your politics. And so we are also streaming on Getter. This is the fifth week on Getter. And we are also on Rumble, Odyssey, and Super U. On Rumble, you can leave us a paid chat called a rant. We'll read live on air if you do that. On Odyssey, the paid chats are called uh, hyper chats. Sorry, I always forget that one. Um, <laughs> hyper chats. And we will uh, read that live on air. And on Super U, it's called the Super U Shout. And again, we'll read it live on air. Um, and it's your way to support the work that we do and have your say and interact with us hosts while my Skype feed comes in and out. And I think that's all, all the um, nuts and bolts. I've checked all the boxes there. Let's get into the news of the day, shall we, David? Yes. Well, we woke up this morning, didn't we, Sheila, to find out we have a new coalition government of sorts, even though the NDP uh, has no cabinet positions. You know, Jagmeet Singh must be the world's worst negotiator. I'd hate to go to a car lot and uh, buy one of his, um, what is he partial to again, Sheila? BMW, I believe. Uh, right. Way, way to go, comrade. Yeah. And, and we're talking like the M3 edition. <laughs> the too, car folks. of the proletariat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I would be driving a Lada, but no, BMW. So not even a single cabinet position, but in many respects, Sheila, you know, it really is just more of the same. I mean, what is different than the last few years in which, I, yeah. yeah, Jugmeet's been propping up uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, and it seems to be the quid pro quo here is... Um, the a promise, and boy, this is going to be broken in the first year of this coalition, of a pharmacare and a dental care uh, program in Canada, which is going to be enormously difficult, Sheila, of course, because these are provincial mandates. And uh, just look at how um, daycare in Ontario is, is going right now. But what this says to me from you know, Jugmeat officially is we have absolutely no ability and no desire to be the government. We have absolutely no desire and no ability to be the official opposition. We are just going to be basically Justin Trudeau's bitch. We are going to abide by whatever he says. Uh, so, and I think the real unspoken strategy, Sheila, is to make sure uh, Jugmeet and some of his cronies in that party make it to the six-year mark so their full pension kicks in. So let's not rock the boat. Let's not, you know, uh, do anything, uh, you know, I'm, I'm searching for the right words. See, what that's what Jughead's done to me. I can't even come up with the right words to say. It's so frustrating. He is a weakling. He is a phony. He is a fake. And I have more contempt for him than I do for Justin Trudeau. And that's one hell of a high benchmark, Sheila. Yeah, I'm pretty contemptuous, too. Um, I feel as though that he's blackmailing the taxpayer so that he and his friends get their pension. But I don't see him as weak. Um, I see him as probably the most powerful person in the Canadian government right now um, because Justin Trudeau, and I don't think he's uh, Justin Trudeau's whipping boy. I think Justin Trudeau is his whipping boy. Hmm. Justin Trudeau at this point needs to do everything the NDP asks him to do 
to hang on to power. And he's willing to, it sounds like, spare no cost. I mean, look at the dental um, plan here. Um, how are you going to nationalize all the dentists who have existed as private corporations for years and years and years? You're just yeah. going to steal their practices from them? Is that what you're going to do? Has anybody even thought about this, what this means? But at the end of the day, how is this any different than what we've been living through for the past you know, since the last election and prior to that, the NDP holds the balance of power. Um, the Liberals work in basically a loose coalition with them to hang on to power. I guess um, they just said the quiet part out loud, but really functionally, how is today any different than yesterday? Oh. What is different in the political landscape today than was yesterday? Absolutely nothing. A hundred percent. And I think part of the problem for seeing in the NDP, Sheila, is that this Liberal Party of Canada, these aren't the Paul Martin liberals of 20 odd years ago or even the oh, Jean no. Chrétien liberals. I mean, every major I mean, policy plan. Crooked. Equally as crooked. <laughs> well, yeah. We're more like a more keen eyes business. Yeah. But when it comes to ideology, though, Sheila, that's what I'm talking oh, about. Whether it's these guys are NDPers. Exactly. The NDP on some issues. I mean, if I'm an NDPer these days, you know, I'm pissed that the liberals are eating my lunch. Everything from uh, carbon policies to oil sands development. I mean, name me one major file that these two parties are 180 degrees on. There isn't one, not one that I can think of, Sheila. It might be how the Liberals speak publicly about Israel, but not how the Liberals direct policy about Israel. For example, right. when there are contentious issues at the UN, the, the federal government now abstains when it comes to a vote on uh, Israel. They'll just abstain, which is as good as saying, yeah, I'm going to vote alongside Hamas or whatever. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think that's it. I think that's pretty well it because it's all the same uh, social justice jargon coming out of both parties. Um, they're equally as great. And that's another reason why the Green Party does so poorly is um, why do they exist? At this well, point, uh, 100%, Sheila. And, and and by the way, when it comes to speaking publicly about Israel, wasn't it a certain prime minister who twice when commemorating the Holocaust forgot to mention, oh, that little teeny tiny detail, the primary the group had <laughs> the J word, right? So I don't think the liberals are really about hiding that uh, very much either, you know, Um and remember that one liberal member of parliament that I um, uh, there was some uh, day with Israel. <laughs> the walk, the walk for Israel. <laughs> and I just asked I him, what about name. moving the embassy to uh, uh, Jerusalem? And um, the guy ended up with a severe case of laryngitis for the first time. It was worse. He couldn't even look at you. Like you're standing like this with your microphone in his face. And he's like this. Just like, scared. He didn't know what to say or what to do. It was very weird. <laughs> I know. It's like it's like when you see those Three Stooges episodes, Sheila, and Curly's trying to think, and he's punching himself on the back of the head. Think, think, think. <laughs> so. I'm just trying to walk for Israel, guy. I can't remember his name, but I – oh, it was – what's his name? Michael Levitt. That's it. Who has since oh. gone on to head up the uh, Simon Weisenhall uh, Center in Canada, right? Yeah. 
Um, yeah. It's amazing. But you can speak up for Israel before. That's yeah. odd. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> you know, now that it's a, a different branding, uh, yeah, he's all about standing up for Israel. I wonder if we were to reach out to him, what his answer would be on the, on an embassy move. But um, so uh, here's the question, though. Uh, as far as I understand, this is essentially a gentleman's agreement, if we can call Mr. Singh and Mr. Trudeau gentlemen, that is. So I'm wondering... You know, the best before date on this is 2025, which feels like an eternity away. And in politics, that is in several eternities, uh, Sheila, three years away. Do you see it lasting that long? Uh, Justin Trudeau does. Uh, he says that he is going to run for election after 2025. So after the NDP props him up um, for potentially <clears throat> the next three years. He's not going to resign and like maybe give Jagmeet his his time to shine. He's already had 10 years in power and he's not going to be like, OK, well, thank you very much. It's going to be the NDP's turn. He's like, no, I'm going to smash you guys like <laughs> bugs um, in 2025. We actually have a clip from Efron, um, our head of video. He clipped it and put it on his Twitter account, if we can find that and bring it up, where Justin Trudeau announces the deal with the NDP to support confidence votes until 2025. So... Enjoy this next civics lesson with Sheila. Um, I see a lot of disinformation, misinformation, misunderstandings about what a, confi a confidence Today. vote is. Okay, um, we'll just, maybe we'll roll that clip and then I'll, I'll explain what a confidence vote is because there's some misunderstanding about what that is. So anyways, go ahead. Today, I'm announcing that the Liberal Party has reached an agreement with the new Democratic Party to deliver results for Canadians now. This supply and confidence agreement starts today and will be in place until the end of this Parliament in 2025. What this means is that during this uncertain time, the government can function with predictability and stability, present and implement budgets, and get things done for Canadians. I've thought long and hard about this. It was oh, I'm not sure you an did. Easy decision. <laughs> With so much sure instability around us, Canadians need stability. We're different political parties. We stand for different things, but where we have common goals, we cannot let our differences stand in the way of delivering what Canadians deserve. That's why we're taking this step. We both. You know, Sheila, here's the thing, though. Um, I can't even imagine what the world's going to look like in 2025. But I've got a vibe, and I'll preface what I'm about to say with this. Justin Trudeau is prime minister, or at least the leader of the Liberal Party, for as long as he wants to be. I don't see any kind of palace revolt. We've talked about this in the past. He took a third-place party to a majority government in 2015. That's a Herculean task. There are so many Liberal MPs that owe their jobs and their pensions to him. They're, they're not going to uh, want to rush him out. But here's my prediction. I think, depending on how the polls are, when we get into 2024, 2025, if it looks like a defeat for Justin Trudeau, 
I think he will step down. He will do a Dalton McGinty, just what Dalton McGinty did in Ontario when he was premier. He stepped down while still premier, put in Kathleen Wynne, uh, presented this as, hey, look, it's a brand new whiz-bang party, and enough dummies fell for it. But then again, you had Tim Hudak running the Progressive Conservative Party at the time, promising to uh, fire 100,000 uh, bureaucrats which is probably a good policy, but you just don't say it ahead of the election. And um, maybe that's where you introduce Christian Freeland. Uh, she gets name recognition, and um, he, uh, he has that long walk in the snow that he never returns back from, uh, unlike his uh, father, Pierre. How do you see things playing out, uh, Sheila? I think that... Uh He's going to be prime minister for 10 good years, maybe after. I, I really do. I don't I don't see him resigning. Look at all the things that he survived. Oh, yeah. Look, he survived thrice blackface, several um, ethics investigations, groping, um, SNC-Lavalin. I, I mean, he has the unquestionable loyalty of the liberal Borg. Yep. And they just don't care. They don't even care that this deal with the NDP means that the NDP will get everything they want in the coming budgets and in the coming throne speeches. I wouldn't be That's so sure of that, means. though. I, I, I think, you know, shaking hands with Trudeau is like making a deal with the devil. And here's the thing, Sheila. Um, yeah, but this in, is, sorry, David, I don't want to argue with you, but this is low liability stuff. Yeah. Justin Trudeau is happy to make it rain taxpayer dollars all over the NDP's oh, bad yeah. ideas. Uh, it, yeah. it doesn't cost him anything. It costs you and me everything. And yep. so what the cost of hanging on to power for Justin Trudeau, if it's other people's money, then who cares? Uh, and the scariest, most overlooked, underreported story is how fiscal responsibility is right out the window, Sheila. E even conservative governments are not even caring about it. It's just Print money, print money, and there will be a day of reckoning uh, when we have to pay the piper for this, and that's not going to be pretty. No, that's for sure. Now, I wanted to tell everybody what a confidence motion is because oh, yeah. there is some confusion out there. Um, it's not just something that you can say like, ask your MPs to vote non-confidence. Usually a confidence motion happens after the House votes down something that the government has proposed uh, and usually those things are plans for the coming generally fiscal year or government plans for the coming year. So it's usually the budget and usually the throne speech. And so in a minority government, if the House doesn't support the budget, then it, they can hold a confidence motion because the idea is that the House has lost confidence in the government to govern. They've lost confidence in the government's plan going forward. So what this deal means with the NDP is on every budget, on every throne speech coming up, the NDP are going to, going to throw their full support behind the Liberals so that those two things that are normally matters of confidence, that they pass with ease. Yeah. But what that means for you as a taxpayer is, in every single budget, the NDP are going to get exactly what they want. In every single throne speech, the NDP are going to get exactly what they want. That's what that means. So hold on to your wallets, people. 
But can we? Uh, they reach into our pocket, take the wallet out, put it upside down, and shake it. Right? Grab you by the leg and just shake you around like an ogre. Yeah, and 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 uh, God forbid you make a donation online to a certain kind of freedom convoy. Uh, suddenly, not only is your wallet. Uh, purloined, but you can't even access your bank account in some cases. So this is the kind of uh, government we have. I don't know. Um, I, you know, I think it remains to be seen um, how nice this honeymoon goes, uh, Sheila, with these uh, two leaders. But again, like I said at the beginning, this is Jugmeet Singh bending the knee saying, we're not going to be the opposition. We're not going to be the government. We can't do it. We won't do it. We're we're free to be. It's kind of like, you know, when you see um, a soccer mom driving around in her car and she's got the child in the back seat and part of the, um, you know, child seat has a plastic steering wheel, right? And the kid thinks yep. he's driving and steering the Suburban. <laughs> he might think that, but yeah. he's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, moving on to other uh, yes. Can Canadian news, and then we'll get to uh, my beloved Kid Rock on my beloved Tucker Carlson show. It was just a lot for me last night. Anyways, um, we'll, uh, we should talk about how the Liberal government plans to maintain its stranglehold on your life through COVID regulations, even though restrictions are falling all across the country in provincial jurisdictions, the Liberals, because now they have no consequences to any of these bad ideas because the NDP have agreed to prop them up. The health minister says there's no timeline to end COVID-19 mandates. It's complicated, he says. Is it? <laughs> is it really? Um, but this it sort of is the opposite of what Teresa Tam said, not yesterday, but Friday. She said that the federal government was reviewing all restrictions and mandates and were considering moving to a recommendation, not requirement focus on vaccination and mandates. Um, but the federal government now, uh, it's Tuesday, no, they yesterday. So they thought about it over the weekend, struck a deal with the NDP, which will prevent them from facing any consequences for maintaining the stranglehold on our lives. And so now they've decided, you know what? Nope, we're just going to do whatever the heck we feel like. And sounds like we're never, ever going to be able to fly or visit our families inside of the world's second largest country. Just think about yeah. that. The federal government is preventing Canadians from traveling around on a train or on a plane inside the world's second largest country. Think about how punitive and authoritarian that is. Great point, Sheila. No, it is. And, um, you know, I never even, you know, squared that circle, Sheila, but you're absolutely right. Given the sheer landmass of this country, it's not like if you live in the greater Toronto area and you have a relative in Vancouver or Calgary. Yeah, uh, it's not like we live in Monaco. Like, I know. <laughs> you know oh. what I mean? 100%. I'm four hours from Calgary, okay? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I, I once was told that it is a longer flight to get from Toronto to the top of northern Ontario than it is to fly to Florida. If someone can fact check that for me, um, please yeah, do I think so. Yeah, closer to Las Vegas than Toronto. 
you know, it's 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 appalling. And um, but meanwhile, look who's making these decisions: the people flying around in private jets. And you've done some incredible work on this, Sheila. Private jets that are always so well stocked with liquor, right? Yeah. No, I mean, it's a real no booze one, cruise up there. <laughs> it's the booze <laughs> cruise, yeah. So it, again, it doesn't affect them. It doesn't hurt them, but the average Canadian. And yeah, I mean, like, um, you know, once upon a time, the only way I got to see NHL hockey because the Leafs sell out all the time and the tickets are. And they uh, suck. Yeah, well, yeah, they do. <laughs> and they're out in the first round again this year. Mark my words. I said it here and now. But I used to, it was a fun outing. You would go to, um, you know, less than two hours away, cross over the bridge to Buffalo, see the Leafs and Sabres play. The Leafs almost lo- always lost and lost badly. But uh, it was a great dynamic, Sheila, because these were the true fans, the lunch bucket brigade, not the Armani suit wearing, shrimp eating uh, season ticket holders at that crypt called Scotiabank. And even though the Leafs lost, it was like a playoff atmosphere game. It was one of the little joys in life. Take the kids to Buffalo, see an NHL game uh, at a cheaper price, I might add. You know, even with the gas, the food, everything else, then buying two lousy tickets at Scotiabank. And even that little, you know, bobble has been taken away. We we can't get over that bridge until they, you know, change these rules. I mean, I think that's a level of cruelty, really, Sheila. Sure it is. It's vindictive. It's cruel. It's spiteful. And the only reason they're doing it at this point is because these are people they can't control. And so they must be punished. These are people who you couldn't control for two years. You're not going to control them going forward. They've made a moral and ethical stance that they will not bend the knee to the government. And so they must be smashed. Um, They know that they are probably never going to bring these people in Science. Um, and so they are just going to hammer them with any punitive measure that they can going forward. That's all it is. Um, speaking of torture, <laughs> how about uh, Kamala Harris, the vice president of the United States of America? Uh, yesterday- how is she worse than Joe Biden? <laughs> how is that possible? I think Shakespeare's rolling in his grave still, right? Does she have a speechwriter? But does she have one? Do you do, know? You know, I think she doesn't. She mustn't. Ol- <laughs> Olivia, do we have that queued up? Okay, then. Just watch the pithy prose of the vice president, folks. Talking about the significance of the passage of time, right? The significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time in terms of what we need to do to lay these wires, what we need to do to create these jobs. And there is such great significance to the passage of time when we think about a day in the life of our children. Talking about the significance of the... Oh, how profound. What was up next? Well, what followed that, Sheila? Hickory dickory dock. Oh, you know, Sheila. I mean, it almost sounded like what's that soap opera? Um, like sand through a looking glass. Days of our lives. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. But it reminds me of I once worked for. Well, I'm going to say it, folks. He was a moron. I'm not going to name name the name, but uh, 
one of the worst bosses I ever had. And he would hear a phrase and he would cling on to that phrase thinking he was always so profound. And one of those phrases was, ah, but this too is the nature of the beast. And in every meeting, he must have said, ah, but this too is the nature of the beast at least five times. And it seems that to me, Kamala Harris heard passage of time and she went, oh, that's Sounds so profound. Good. There's like, there's like, you know, maybe there's like an Othello or Romeo and Juliet uh, vibe to this. And I'm going to say it over and over. What was she saying, Sheila? Uh, reminds me of Justin Trudeau <laughs> uh, back in 2015. I just pulled up the quote um, when he was explaining his plans for the economy. And we really should have listened to him. <laughs> um, I know I did, but maybe Trudeau voters might have. Um when he said the commitment needs to be a commitment to grow the economy and the budget will balance itself. Yes. Someone said commitment to him in a morning meeting. And he was like, yeah, that's the word. <laughs> that's the word of the day. I'm going to shoehorn that into everything, which he did. Or when he was like, you know, we need to grow the economy from the heart outward. Um, it's just stupid nonsense just to fill up time and space in a speech that really doesn't mean anything, but stupid people think it sounds good, including the person saying it. That's what Kamala Harris is doing. That's a Trudeauism there. I thought you were going to refer to Trudeau's and I'll massacre it. But remember, he was trying to refer to I think it was a Tetra Pak and it was oh, drink box, water bottle sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> he meant a Tetra Pak, right? Oh, yeah. Wait, I'm not sure. <laughs> I have no idea. Then what? Maybe we can pull that up because that was actually yours is better than mine. When he didn't have a good answer, he knew he was stuck in a rare moment of actual journalistic integrity. A journalist asked him a question like, hey, you're banning plastic. Uh, what do you use? And he was like, we use um, I because uh, he knew. I use water bottles and I throw them in the garbage can for sure. He was like, how do I get out of this? How do I describe that thing that I think exists, but I don't know. Cause I don't go to the grocery store. I have people who do that for me. So he was trying to describe a thing that he had seen once that he thinks maybe water came in, but he's not really sure. And so he was like, yep. I uh, uh, drink box water bottle sort of thing. <laughs> I think Olivia might have uh, sourced the clip so we can quote him verbatim. This is exactly uh, we, uh, it. Uh, we have uh, recently switched to drinking uh, water bottles out of uh, water out of uh, when we have water bottles uh, out of a uh, plastic. Uh, sorry, away from plastic towards uh, paper, um, like drink box water bottles. Sort of things. <laughs> But he, but he, but he, yeah. that, that's all, folks. You know, she, yeah. but going back to Kamala Harris, you know, she's, you know, trying to be, come across as some sort of orator with this passage of time. Uh, she's an empty vessel. President Biden is off riding his bike. Six times. It's I was marking it down. I think she six. said it six times in that 30 seconds or whatever. Felt like longer uh, listening to it, but I think it was like 30 seconds. And and you have President Biden off riding his bicycle to an ice cream parlor somewhere. And meanwhile, look what's happened to the world, how much of a dangerous <laughs> place it's mobility become. Mobility scooter. <laughs> oh, you know, Russia going into Ukraine, a disastrous, and I mean disastrous, Iran arms deal 
being cobbled together with the chief negotiator being Russia, if you can believe it or not. That story is not getting anywhere near the attention it deserves. China uh, probably salivating right now as it looks across the pond towards Taiwan. Compared to just a year and a bit ago uh, from now, Sheila, this is a way more dangerous world when we had someone competent in charge in the White House, wouldn't you say? I agree. And things I think are going to get more dangerous um, in the world, but for families in general, uh, given um, Joe Biden's nomination for the Supreme Court. This is a woman who um, said that sentencing guidelines are not up to date and are too harsh for child pornography offenders. And I think I'm not sure if I can say that on YouTube. So if I just got us kicked off of YouTube oh. um, on the stream, I'm sorry. Um, but maybe we could roll that clip of Joe Biden's nominee for the Supreme Court deciding that the perverts of the world are being treated too unkind. We got it. As you said, the guideline was based originally on uh, a, a statutory scheme and on directives, specific directives by Congress at a time in which more serious child pornography offenders were identified based on the volume, based on the number of photographs that they received in the mail. And that made totally total sense before when we didn't have the internet, when we didn't have distribution, but the way that the guideline is now structured based on that set of circumstances is leading to extreme disparities in the system because it's so easy for people to get volumes of this kind of material now by computer. Yeah, that's, that's why so we it's should not be punished. doing the work of differentiating who is a more serious offender in the way that it used to. So the commission has taken that into account and, and perhaps even more importantly, courts are adjusting their sentences in order to account for the changed circumstances. Wow. What on earth is she trying to say? She's trying to say that because the internet has made it easier for these perverts and freak shows to consume materials that are the product of victimization of children, because the internet made it more easy for them yeah. to get more of it, that we should cut them some slack. That's really the crux of her argument here, I think. It, it is. A, I think part of the argument, too, Sheila, and I've heard this stated uh, in the past by apologists of those who consume child pornography, if you can imagine such people do exist. And it's this. Um, if Joe Blow didn't get those photographs or didn't download those files of children in pornographic situations. I mean, it's hard to talk about. Um, the thing is, those images still exist, you see. So the fact that uh, he did download it uh, didn't have any bearing on that. And it's a false argument, Sheila, because... Yeah, because he creates the demand. Exactly. He creates the market. If the market doesn't exist, the material doesn't exist. I don't know why these people can't connect those dots. It, it, it It's despicable. Yeah, you know what? I would be arguing for lighter sentences for parents who take matters into their own hands.
that, that's the people who deserve the lighter sentence in this whole conversation. Um, but that is uh, Judge Ken, Ketanji Brown Jackson, and that is Joe Biden's nominee for the Supreme Court. So this is Joe Biden's justice system that treats parents who express dismay at uh, school board hearings treats them like terrorists, but he will also, on the flip side, nominate someone to the Supreme Court who thinks we need to be um, uh, lighter, take a lighter approach to people who consume the products of child abuse. Unbelievable. And on that note, Sheila, did you see or hear that clip? It was ESPN. Uh, which is a horrible sports network, by the way. It's the worst. And they were televising a um, WNBA game, uh, the Women's Basketball Association. So nobody was watching. Yeah. <laughs> and in during the break... I've got a girl who plays basketball. I could say that. Nobody watches women's professional basketball. So when they cry that they don't make as much money as the guys... That's because nobody's watching. Oh, Sheila, if only anyway. that was the issue. Yeah, because that's what I thought they were going to do, the virtue signaling on. No, they took a two-minute uh, pause of silence instead of running highlights of the of the first half. Two minutes uh, oh, Lord. In, in solidarity with their parent network, uh, Disney, um, for the community that is hurt right now. This is talking about the radical sex ed education that is being criticized and condemned in the United States right now. They thought, they think this is a human rights issue. And, you know, and almost like standing in solidarity with Ukraine, they took a two minute pause to mourn that this radical sex education system is under attack. And this is ESPN and Disney. You know, so I, I, I have no words. <laughs> Jeez. Again, I just boil this right down to what life was like 10 years ago. Yeah. If you are an adult who wants to talk to my kids about this stuff, I think you're a total weirdo. Yeah. And I refuse to allow this to be normalized. If you are insistent about talking to other people's kids against the will of the parents, might I add, about things that the parents have decided are completely inappropriate, I'm just going to go and assume that you're a weirdo yep. because it's my job to protect my kids from people who want to rob them of their childhood early and introduce things into their lives that I don't think they're ready for. And we used to call it grooming. We used this was grooming and parents were on the lookout for it. And now if we talk about it in that way, we are somehow uh, named the phobic, whatever it is today. The thing that you are they accuse you of. You're canceled, I guess. And, and, and Sheila, I mean, when we talk about kids, let's be clear about something. These are children as young as Little five ones. years, five years old. Yeah. You know, and yeah. this and you know what I and again, going back to your comparison of 10 years ago and maybe a few more years uh, added on to that. Didn't Disney used to always be about 
family-friendly entertainment, kid-friendly, yeah. you know, animation uh, shorts and, and, and feature-length movies. And this is now a titan that not only controls all the Disney properties, but we're talking about the Star Wars franchise. We're talking about Marvel Comics. Everything that appeals to children, you would think Disney would be on the front lines saying, no, 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 this is not wholesome. This is not good. It's the other way around. And they're getting their pit bull, ESPN, to take a, a two-minute moment of silence uh, in mourning for a radical sex uh, education curriculum. Are you kidding me? These people are total weirdos. <laughs> I don't understand why these companies have to take a stand on every social justice issue that exists. Oh, I, know. I don't I don't care if my I don't care about the razor company's politics. I don't care about the politics of the mascara manufacturer. I don't care. Why do they do this? Yeah, there's, by the way, if we have the audio, can we just hear a little bit of this absolute rubbish? Of this legislation and also how it is affecting so many families across this country. And because of that, our allyship is going to take a front seat. And with that, we're going to pause in solidarity. <laughs> you know what, though? They probably didn't have two and minutes of silence on Memorial Day. <laughs> yeah, thank you. They probably didn't take two minutes of silence on Memorial Day, right? Oh, uh, probably uh, not. No, not not if there were uh, ads to be sold. But I want to go back to what you said just before we ran that clip, uh, Sheila. Um, when you're wondering why these um, Fortune 500 companies uh, are are taking these social justice woke positions. And I think, Sheila, whether it's Disney or Gillette or Coca-Cola or Home Depot, you name it, it's all about let's show wokeism, let's portray ourselves as social justice warriors because the cancel culture mob will then leave us alone and go I after some do. competitor. Oh, no, no, no. I know they're buying time. I'll grant you that, you know, but there will be a day of reckoning for them. That's this is the cowardice in the boardrooms of these companies. These are the cowardly CEOs that are making these decisions, Sheila. It's just to, so that they are not boycotted or the, the cancel culture mob comes and therefore business is fine, shareholder value is high, and on and on it goes. They are selling out for the worst of reasons imaginable. Yeah. I also fundamentally oppose so much of this because of the weird jargon that somehow makes its way into the dictionary the very next year, like allyship. Yeah. What? And the community, you know? who, Sheila, who is this community, the, the pro-radical sex ed community? They're who? watching ESPN, are they? <laughs> Jeez. Oh, gosh. Sheila, I see like, that. Know we your got... audience. There's a reason why nobody watches ESPN. There's a reason why NASCAR's viewership is through the roof is because you don't have to sit through this garbage yep. all the time. Yeah, it'll be a dark day indeed if NASCAR ever goes this route. Please, please tell me they aren't going this route. <laughs> well, they had a moment where it looked pretty close with the news hopes. <laughs>
But I think everybody at NASCAR learned their lesson over that, where they like read the crowd afterwards and they knew the audience. They're like, eh, uh, these people, you know, they appreciate the fact that they pray. It's a very blue collar crowd. And um, it didn't go over well at all. Yeah. And probably I once read the most um, brand loyal sports fans out there. So in other words, if a driver is wearing a Pennzoil patch, uh, that's bread. your favorite driver. <laughs> <laughs> that's what oil he's going to be buying. Uh, yep. they, there's a real connection there with that fan base uh, that you don't see elsewhere. But enough about us, Sheila. Do we have some uh, super chats and hyper chats and all those other kind of chats that I forgot. The names. <laughs> I know I struggle with them and I say it every day. Um, yeah, we'll get to these and then we'll have, we must, we cannot not show the clip of Kid Rock and Tucker Carlson. Yes. So let's go through some of these. So okay. uh, CJD, let's get the old spectacles on. CJD gives us five bucks regarding Trudeau and Singh. Man makes plans. God laughs. Proverbs 16, nine. <laughs> From your lips to God's ears, friend. Um, AMT 60, a buck. With the Liberal and NDP alliance until 2025, I don't see the interprovincial vax pass for trains, planes, etc. being lifted soon. You know what? That could be the case because now there are no consequences for keeping that in place. Um, also, the prime minister wanting digital currency, which may require a jab for buying food. I'm not sure if we're going to go that far, um, but I would... Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see um, a digital carbon uh, budget for people, uh, you know, like how far do you drive? Um, you know, this is what you're going to pay because you, you, you've exceeded your carbon budget. I can easily see that. They've been talking about that for years, long before they thought about using digital ID to deal with COVID vaccination status. That was the thing that especially the World Economic Forum was talking about before this. But but you know what, Sheila, with us being landlocked in Canada, potentially till 2025, it just gave me an epiphany for a caper idea. How about this? We go out again to Roxham Road. And no costumes, though. No costumes. <laughs> but how about this? Instead of chronicling the uh, irregulars coming in from the U.S. to Canada, why don't we walk across the border, have the Royal Canadian Mounted Henchmen carry our suitcases, and presto, we're in New York State. How about that? I wonder how that works. Has that ever been done yet, or is it just a one-way flow of irregulars? I think it's just a one-way flow of irregulars, and you're going to end up in an ICE detention facility <laughs> for a very long time. So let's but, not do that. Let's but do you know what, Sheila? That's a very important point, and it's this. The southern border in the United States is a disaster. Thousands and thousands of people uh, every yeah. week are coming over. We don't even know who these people are, what have you. Why is it a different standard if somebody crosses the northern border into Joe Biden's America? And there was an example of that. I'm not going to mention his name, but um, a... Uh, I, I guess we can call him an online personality, did illegally cross from Alberta into the U.S. and was promptly uh, arrested. So why the beefed up uh, enforcement of immigration law on the northern side of the United States of America, but not so much on the southern side? It doesn't make sense to me. 
oh, we're privileged Canadians trying to escape Trudeau. And so we would, of course, naturally vote a certain way when I think at the southern border, the hope is there that they are importing Democrat voters into Texas to flip Texas. I, I, I kind of think that that's, that's the motive there, where it's like if you're a Canadian trying to escape Justin Trudeau, maybe you're not so far left-leaning and you wouldn't be inclined to vote Biden when you get there. You are so right, Sheila. What was I thinking with that question? <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a Democratic vote. But I'd sure like to hear the official explanation, you know, because you're right. That's the unspoken strategy. A hundred percent. Pardon me. I, I said, I hope Kamala Harris gives us that official explanation. That'll be a hell of a word salad. There will be um, no passage of illegals from the northern end of the border. <laughs> Seriously, does she have a spite a uh, speechwriter? Like, does she? <laughs> she can't. I um, I don't know. Uh, Lawrence Neal gives us 10 bucks. Trudeau has been destroying this country since he was first elected in 2015. This coalition will be the end of Canada as we know it. Hmm. I might force the West to reconsider our role in Confederation a little bit sooner. There you go again. Is that is that a possibility at all, Sheila? I don't know. Don't take my dreams from me. <laughs> um, <laughs> AMT60 gives us a buck. I saw a video or on Facebook that a woman drove to another province, had a car accident and a concussion. Can't drive now, but can't go back to her home in Ontario by plane train because she's unvaxxed. Shameful. Wow. I think Drea has been working on a very similar story with a family where one of them was involved in a car accident on the other side of the family and or other side of the country. The dad can't come to visit. Yes. Yeah. Because of vaccination status, because this is cruel and ghoulish. Um, uh, Vare 403 gives us 10 bucks. I agree with Menzies on the Trudeau Singh union. Singh has become useless. Trudeau will say anything at any time today and tomorrow it will be totally different. Yeah. Team Menzies, I guess. And <laughs> Welcome <laughs> That's aboard. Fine. Yeah. That's fine. I won't take it personally. Uh, Token gives us 10 bucks. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is a millionaire that wants to live like a billionaire, and being Prime Minister allows him to do it. His corrupt corruption has no limit. That is also true. Mm. Yeah. Uh, oh, one more. Uh, 10 bucks. Fraser McBurney. It's got his cap blocks. Fully on. Uh, pick a decade, say 1957 to 1967. Canada had two aircraft carriers and a full brigade in Europe and Air Force with the only radar CF-100, CF-86. We were building the CF-105, Avro Aero, building the Trans-Canada Highway, Pipeline, the St. Lawrence Seaway, and Expo 67. The best World's Fair ever. Now we can't build anything. Yeah, yeah imagine... Applying the gender-based analysis to all of those major projects, because that's what the liberals of today would have done back then. And you would never have gotten a railroad built, uh, a Trans-Canada Highway built, because we would have to put it through the gender-based analysis lens of how would have, how would have having all these male construction workers building a road hurt the feelings of gender diverse people in the region. That's what we're dealing with now. Incredible. I mean... The 60s, Sheila, even the Leafs were winning Golden Stanley age. Cups, plural. You know, in fact, there's a great little anecdote. In 1967, the last time they won, 
That was their fourth Stanley Cup in the 60s. And there were several players that were not part of the Stanley Cup parade uh, down Bay Street. You can Google it, folks. It's black and white footage. There's no CN Tower or Sky Dome. It's like Toronto in an alternate universe. And some of the players were saying to the ones uh, buggering off for a fishing trip, what, what are you doing? How can you miss the Stanley Cup parade? And the answer was, um, oh, plenty more of these to come in the years ahead. Okay, half a century later... <laughs> <laughs> didn't quite work out as planned, but anyhow, you yeah. You told me we would have flying cars. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, 67 is perhaps um, a good marker of where things were starting to uh, uh, roll off the rails because it would be 68 when Justin's father became prime minister, right? If right. Uh, memory serves. And uh, that, my friends, could be a book of Canadian history called The Beginning of of the end. Right? <laughs> yeah, sometimes I like to go back on the, the old YouTube rabbit hole when I'm not looking at carnivores make fun of vegans. Um, I'd like to go back and look at like what they predicted for the future in the late 50s, early 60s, in sort of that golden age of, um, I guess it would be like modern, uh, the 1950s sort of modern era. Um, where everything was kind of chrome and lacquer. And I liked how the houses looked back then too, but what they predicted for the future and like the egg shaped cars that were flying and what they thought that would be. And then you're like, uh, Cost two bucks a liter to fill up the Jeep. <laughs> you know? I know. Yeah, nothing changed. Everything just got more expensive. That's all, right? None of the fun stuff. All of the bad stuff. Um, let's keep going. For Disney, uh, former YouTube watcher, sorry, gives us five libraries. Says former Disney employee, four Disney employees, arrested in Polk County human trafficking campaign on March sixteenth, twenty twenty two. That is true. Huh. Uh, while they're busy telling us, uh, yeah. to completely let strangers talk to our kids about sex and gender against our wishes, they employ people involved in human trafficking rings, Gee, four Sheila, of them in Polk County. But Sheila, don't be so harsh. Maybe human traffickers, um, are part of the community, uh, that is lamenting the sex ed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, authorities have arrested 108 people, including alleged child sex predators and those seeking prostitutes in a six day undercover human trafficking operation in Florida. Among those taken into custody were four Disney employees and a retired judge. Well, I guess they don't call it the happiest place on earth. <laughs> Jeez, that's horrible. horrible. Yeah. What monsters. Um, but let's leave on a light note. Things that make me happy. Kid Rock talking to Tucker Carlson. It was like we're two worlds collide and I am happiest. Um, we've got a clip of Kid Rock talking about I think it's how he's completely uncancelable because he literally doesn't care Beautiful. <laughs> about, about them. And uh, maybe we could roll that and uh, we'll go out on that high note if that's OK. That's great. So shall we just leave that as the farewell well, video or. Yeah, let's. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll say our goodbyes now. Okay, then. Well, folks, thank you so much for those of you who contributed. Uh, that's how we keep these uh, high-powered lights on. And thank you to Efren and Olivia behind the board. Sheila and I will be back here on Thursday. Tomorrow, there will be a couple of other rebel characters, as Sheila calls them, uh, to uh, <laughs> give you some entertainment and insight. And in the meantime, as always, stay sane.
we, we had dinner last night and you rolled up in a Rolls Royce, the Let's Go Brandon edition. Yes. <laughs> so for with our, a Waffle House plate. With a Waffle House plate. So for our viewers who might want the Rolls Royce, Let's Go Brandon edition, like where, where, where can you get one? You go on this thing called Google and you <laughs> type in, you know, car badges. Let's go, Brandon. And there's companies that come up on my truck. I got one that says White Boy Edition. And there's all these crazy things, but it looks official. So, you know, I would never drive a foreign car be driven. I used to, like, just say to myself, like, I'm so proud, you know, for how hard I work and, you know, what I charge people for shows is what I think is fair because I can hold my head high because I feel I've never made an unhonest dollar off of working man's yeah. back. And so I get Rolls Royce. <laughs> but I'm, like, I'm in Nashville, so I'm not in Detroit. So it's the same. But it came for sale, this thing. And I had this Waffle House license plate holder forever. And I'm like, I need a car to put that thing on. I need to get that Rolls Royce. And then the Let's Go Brandon badge came out. I'm like, oh, there is a heaven. I'm like, this is just too good. <laughs> this is too much fun. You know what I mean?